Today is a message from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and I invite you to turn there with me as I read the passage. Um, Chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 18 through 25. This is the narrative of the birth of our Lord from Matthew's perspective. Of course, there are four Gospels. Each has a different approach to telling the story of Jesus uh, coming to this world. John is the only one that talks about the pre-existence of Christ in heaven before he came to earth. Matthew alludes to it in the word Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And if God is eternal, then he pre-existed before he came into this world. And so today I want to speak about the meaning of that word Emmanuel as we think about the king with us. Matthew's emphasis is upon King Jesus. And the, the theme of king runs all throughout the book of Matthew. Uh, he is bridging the Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah who would be like King David. And that's why the genealogy passage emphasizes the covenant God made with Abraham and then with King David and now the coming of the Christ. So following the genealogy now is the narrative of the very birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I've titled the message for today, The King with us, God with us. And that's, of course, the meaning of Emmanuel. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is with us alive and breathing because of your Holy Spirit that has inspired your word. We thank you, Lord, that we fellowship with you uh, even closer to Jesus because of your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, speak to us, I pray, through this little message and through this awesome text. May the words of our heart and the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing in your sight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now according to our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about the betrothal, that it, uh, it lasted about a year. The husband and the wife had not come together for the marriage ceremony, but uh, they were chosen for each other by their parents. We don't do that much today. I kind of wish we did. But anyway, uh, we don't do that today. But in the days of the Bible, parents chose uh, the spouse or the marriage partner for their children. And this gave time for the parents to host and save up their money and uh, have a great uh, wedding ceremony, a wedding feast, if you will. So in verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, that simply means He always did what was right. He was a man of Scripture. Uh, He was a good man. And uh, he wanted to do what was right. Joseph, being a a righteous man, um, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away. Because before they came together, she was with child by the Holy Spirit. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is a mystery. It is, as God promised, that through the Holy Spirit, Mary would conceive. And during this betrothal period, Mary and Joseph had no sexual relations with each other. 
And so the very birth of our Lord was a miracle, a true miracle from God. A mysterious miracle. And so Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, see the connection between Joseph and his connection to the king David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child that has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's really what the word Jesus means. Jesus is a New Testament word for the Old Testament name, Joshua, or God saves. Verse 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This is from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to the son. And he called his name, what? Jesus. We're going to talk today about the meaning of Emmanuel and then the message of Emmanuel. The Hebrew word Emmanuel from the book of Isaiah chapter 7 uh, reminds us of a period of history in Israelite history when Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was threatening the southern kingdom. Ahaz was the king of the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was threatening the southern kingdom. They were always fighting each other. And the northern kingdom sought an alliance with Syria. Ahaz, king of the southern kingdom, wanted to have an alliance with the pagan nation called Babylon. And God said, don't you do it. He sent Isaiah, the prophet, to Ahaz to say to him, don't be afraid of the northern kingdom. And don't you form an alliance with this pagan country called Babylon, today Iraq and Iran. He said, you wait on me to fight your battle with your enemy. Because... There's going to be a child born in the midst of your enemy. And by the time that child is old enough to know right from wrong, your enemies will have fallen. And that's where we get the word Emmanuel and the promise of God's victory over our enemies. When you translate all that story to the New Testament and the coming of Christ, it's a huge, huge, huge message about God coming to us to fight our enemies for us. And what's our greatest enemy? Death itself. We all stand as mortal beings, knowing that we only live a few years in this life if we are fortunate. And the greatest enemy we face in this life is death itself. And God has come into this world in a child in order to be like us and be with us and die for us a death that we could not die ourselves and pay a death that we could not pay. And that was the atonement for our sin. God truly has come into a war-torn world. And it was a war-torn world that Jesus came into. And you and I still live in this 
cluttered, confused, chaotic, war-torn world. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible says. Not Jesus of heaven. He is from heaven, but he's called Jesus of Nazareth. I want you to get in touch today with the divinity of the Christ child and the humanity of the Christ child. Somehow he was fully God and somehow he was fully human as well. He was God's light come into our dark, chaotic, confusing world. There's a story back in the revolutionary days when they lit the lamps up and down the streets, uh, these oil lamps, in order to have street lights. And the lamplighter would go about evening time and light each one. A little child looks out and he sees the lamplighter lighting each lamp one at a time going down the streets of the New England city. And he said, look, Mom and Dad, he's punching holes in the darkness. Well, that's what Jesus did. He came to punch a big old hole in our darkness and to give us hope. Every time I read the Christmas story, I see all the sad things that are going on. We like to make Christmas out to be all cheer and wonderful and gifts and presents and snow and all those things. But reality is, it was a dark world. It was a cruel world. Human life meant nothing to people. And that's the world that God has come into. The Scripture verifies the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. The Gospel of John said Jesus was the Word, W-O-R-D, meaning Logos, the eternal Word of God. God was the Word before He ever existed, before He ever created the world. In fact, as one sermon said one time, I heard, there was a Word in search of a world and a world in search of a Word when Jesus came. God was looking for us, and we were looking for a word from God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, spoke to His heavenly Father. He had a person-to-person relationship because He existed with God the Father before this world was created. In fact, it was through Jesus Christ that God brought into being all that is. Jesus is called in Scripture the Son of God. Paul wrote and said, God was in Christ. He was born of woman, and yet He existed before Abraham. In Jesus, now how many of you are, are good theology Bible students? You want to be a good theology Bible student this morning? Raise your hand if you want to be a a deep, good theology Bible student. If you don't, I'll just skip this next point. I mean, nobody's raising their hand, and I'm just thinking, well, these people just want to stay dumb. I don't know. Do do y'all want to go a little deeper right here? Do do you want to learn a little more right here? All right. (laughs) Hang in there with me. In Jesus... God has acted in self-revelation. God has revealed to us who He is Himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you want to know God the Father? Here He is. If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. 
And if you can hang on to that, you can hang on to the, next, to, to the next phrase. Through God alone, may God be known. Those of you who are taking notes, write a double line under that. Through God alone, may God be known. Dr. Bart said that. In other words, the only way we can know God is when God reveals himself to us. Now folks, that's the difference between every world religion and the Christian faith. Every world religion is like a ladder climbing up to God. Like someone climbing a ladder, trying to find God, trying to get up to God. Now, we try good works to climb that ladder. We try mysticism. We try spirituality. We try meditation. We try rules and laws in order to be perfect and to get up to God. Every, you name it, whether it be Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or Shintoism or noism at all, every world religion is trying to climb a ladder to get to God. In the Christian faith, God has come to us. God has come to us. Salvation is not from us. Salvation has come to us. Salvation is not from mankind. Salvation is from God alone through Jesus who is God with us. And that's kind of what Emmanuel means. Now, if that helped you a little bit, hang on as we talk about the message of Emmanuel. There's a message God has, God has for you and me today. Message number one. Through Christ, God became like us so he could be with us. God became like us so he could be with us. Jesus was like us physically. If you are 33 years or younger, would you stand? Bo, you guys, are y'all 33 and under? Stand. There you go. All right. Jesus was your age one time. Y'all be seated. Everybody older than that stand. Jesus felt just like you felt when you tried to stand up. You couldn't hardly stand up. Because <laughs> he got tired and he felt wore out. He got exhausted. But he had the maturity that was greater, the wisdom that was greater than any person in this room. Jesus came to be like us so he could be with us. He was like us physically. At one time, he was a crying, cooing, wed, bed-wetting baby boy. His body grew tired at some points, the Bible says, in chapter 8, 24. Jesus became hungry in chapter 4, verse 2. Jesus was like us mentally as well. And he developed mentally as well. One time, at his appropriate age, he said, Mama and Dada. In Matthew, he possessed a, 
a humankind that Luke calls he increased in wisdom, meaning at every age he was mentally appropriate. Jesus was also like us emotionally. In Matthew, we see the full range of Jesus' emotions. His soul was troubled, and at times he was overwhelmed. He wept with loud cries and tears. Jesus also laughed a lot, and he smiled a lot, and he was anything but boring. The boring Pharisees were jealous of him because he hung out with sinners at parties at their home without sinning, and the Pharisees weren't able to do that. So they went around with stoned religious faces, hmm, and Jesus smiled a lot. Jesus was also like us, the Bible says in Hebrews. Now this is really important, so hang in there with me. In that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Hebrews says he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered and he's able to help those who are being tested. Have you ever felt tempted? Have you ever dealt with temptation to sin? Jesus did. Every temptation that you and I have ever faced, Jesus faced it. And yet the Bible says he turned away from it and has given us an open door of escape as well if we will just obey and follow him. The secret to overcoming temptation is to follow the cross, follow Jesus. What would Jesus do in the temptation that I'm facing? What about the trial that I'm facing? Now in the New Testament, the word temptation and the word trial is the same word. One has to decide the context to see which is different. Our trials can be testing. Temptation can be trials as well. Jesus knows what it's like to be where you are right now. Jesus knows what it's like to deal with what you're dealing with right now. You say, well, he didn't have a cell phone, and he didn't have technology, and he didn't have a car, and he didn't have this, that, and the other. But all of those things of our modern day translate into soul-searching. Every soul is searching for peace with God the Father. And it is trying times that defines our relationship with God the Father. And the secret to find peace in chaotic times is simple obedience. Simple obedience to Jesus Christ. Through obedience... Jesus takes the hurts of our lives and he turns them into joy. Now hear me. I, know I, I don't know everybody's hurt in here, but I know some of you. And I carry mine as well. But if I follow Jesus and obey him with my life, he'll take that um, hurt, he'll take that confusion and translate it into purposeful joy. I'm no longer defined by my hurt of my past. Instead, I can be defined by the future that God has for me. We call that a future story. The Bible calls it hope. Emmanuel is the word that God gave to Ahaz when he was hopeless 
facing the enemies of the northern kingdom that had aligned with Syria and they were coming after him two on one and he said I'm going to run I'm going to escape I'm going to make an alliance with the devil and God says don't you do it right there in the middle of that enemy that you're facing a child will be born and his name will be called Emmanuel and before he gets old enough to know right from wrong your enemies will fall Austin's here this morning, aren't you, Austin? Did you meet a camper named Josh Boone last summer? Name ring a bell. Josh and I had uh, lunch together in the cafeteria. Josh talks about this in some of his discipleship efforts, and he said these words, Don't waste your exhaustion. When you are at the end of your rope, when you don't know what to do, when you've been... uh, uh, worked on by the devil. I mean, he'll beat on you just as hard as he can. When life gets confusing, when you just feel depleted and exhausted, he said, don't waste your exhaustion. It's so easy to use hurt and exhaustion as an opportunity to sin. And that's what Ahaz was about to do. He was exhausted working, uh, fighting against the enemies of the northern kingdom and those against Syria. And he went to make a pact with the devil. And God says, uh, the devil cannot help you. Everything the devil offers you is a mirage in your desert battles. Every temptation that Satan offers you is not real. It's a fantasy, and it will lead to destruction. Look to the baby Jesus. He is God with us. He has direction for your life. He has victory for your life. He he will help you overcome the enemies that you face if you will simply obey Him and follow Him. Emmanuel is eternal, and his victory is eternal. In this life and this world, everything is temporal and temporary. He and he alone is our victory. He and he alone is our rest. As I wind up this message, I want you to reflect with me just a little bit about Joseph in Matthew's Gospel. Here it says, uh, an angel appeared to Joseph when Mary had been betrothed. And Joseph's confused because his girlfriend's great with child, and this should not be. He's been a righteous and holy man, and he, married a, he was going to marry a righteous and a holy girl. And now she's great with child. And God spoke to him. And God said, this is what you are to do. And he obeyed. Max Lucado writes a little devotion about this he says think about joseph he's the quiet father of jesus he just goes about his business in a quiet way he obeys the lord in a quiet way a humble small town construction worker and yet because he obeyed the angel of the lord and the word of the lord to him he had the greatest of all blessings he cradled the wrinkled face the wrinkled face prince of heaven And with an audience of angels and pigs, he whispered his name, Jesus. You will be called Jesus. Rather than Joseph making a name for himself, he made a home for the Christ. And because he did, the great reward of obedience came to him, 
he got to give Jesus his name. The first person in the whole world that pronounced the name of Jesus was an obedient father. Hang with me. Hang with me. Hang with me. An obedient father was rewarded because he obeyed the Lord. Number one, God is looking for some Josephs who will bring Christ into the world through obedience. Bo Anderson is one of our students. I was showing the students the uh, Bible story here Friday night, and they were well-behaved and very engaged. Thank you, adults, for raising such beautiful children. And when I got to the end of the story, I said, Now, would any of you like to say something? There's something one of you students would like to say about tonight's story. And little Bo Anderson stood up and he said, Christmas is not about presents and stuff. It's about Jesus. Parents, you can't take your Christmas presents to heaven, but you can take your children. I just want to spin around when I say that. Can't take all that stuff you've accumulated in life, but you can take your kids and your grandchildren and some of your neighbors, some of the people you work with. You can take them to heaven with you. If you will obey the Christ, And share Jesus. And be Christ to someone where you are. Whose world is chaotic. Whose world is dark. Whose world is hurting, hurting, hurting. Be Christ. Be compassionate. Bring a word from Jesus. When you're fighting the devil, the Bible says you've got all these defensive weapons. The helmet of salvation the breastplate and the armor and all that goes on there, but the only offensive weapon we have is the, the Word of God. The King is with us. He's with us now. The King was crucified on the cross and He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven and He's coming back again. And while, he's, while we are waiting for His return, He reigns and He rules in my life and your life as believers who follow and obey the king. Now, I'll leave with this little note. Maybe the most important thing I've said all day. If Jesus is not king, if he's not the one you obey, if he's not the one you're following, then who is? You? Popularity? What you want out of life? your goals, your dreams for yourself? Who's king of your life? Christ has come to be your king to give you abundant life now and eternal life in that day to come. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? 
I'm going to pray a prayer at this time, and those of you who would want to unite with our church, my sister church, you come on. Those of you who want to get saved and invite Christ into your life and follow the King, I want you to come too and just be seated right here on this front row. Our Father, we thank you for this Christmas season that reminds us that the King has come. And we can walk with you and enjoy the abundance of life and peace that you have now and for eternity. Lord, may there be one soul that gets saved today and gives their life to Jesus. May there be an adult, may there be a child coming from another church who's already saved want to unite with us. Let us act on faith now and respond as you have spoken. In Jesus' name I pray. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.